Yes! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. What's up, kid folk? It's RJ Young, and I'm here with Brandon Drum. This is Young and Drum. We're going to discuss the live viewing. 15 minutes, media got to take photos, record video, and see what we saw. Alex Grinch had some really interesting things to say about who a starting 11 could be. Lincoln Riley out here talking about Jalen Redman and getting y'all's hopes up. And, of course, remembering Mike Gaddis. But, Brandon, one of the things I talk to you about before we started this was i just retweeted you right as you said my gaddis about the one you tweeted about my my gaddis right post. um irony anyways we'll, we'll get to, we will get to that yep i thought colin's photos on his pretty, twitter pretty account fantastic yeah you guys give colin a follow if you don't already yeah for uh, sure specifically those photos of of trey sermon of jalen hurts and spencer rattler those things are awesome and all four of us were out at practice for this, man. 15 yeah. minutes. A rarity. Yeah, man. Uh, oh, man, I always say, as I've said all day today, like, uh, just difficult to really get a sense of what is actually going on. You're just kind of taking it all in and making notes, and you're going through your photos and going through your video. What stuck out to you? Uh-huh. Yeah, so <laughs> what people don't realize, like, so after this happened last night, like, this, the – the media I, I bet you he gave us almost 20 minutes to be honest i think it was more than 15 they're usually pretty good about extending it just a bit um but um we all went up to the parking garage and sat around and actually talked about you know what we saw as we were passing around each other's sd cards and stuff to share that way we all had it it's just a lot easier to download on computers and stuff that way but uh 100 um so we're talking about it and like like we all talked about you know it, it was just the fact of you know how physical Austin Stogner is I think was jumped off at everybody I think that was out there like good god he's huge and he can run I mean they're running those fade routes towards the end of the the viewing and he's making like he jumps up in the air to catch it and you're just thinking there's no way he's going to get to that ball, and he just turns on another burst and gets there. And you're good God, 250 pounds. And then when Riley talks about him, he talks just so glowingly about him, like he's just going to be the next. He he think he already said, like he said, you know, he could be. He's better than Mark Andrews was during his sophomore year, which I think is a huge deal. People need to wrap their head around that. And um, he's never played a game for one. So that's the crazy part about it. And I also thought that, you know, we don't get to see a lot with the quarterbacks, but they all look to be throwing the ball fairly well. Um, and the other, the other thing to know is you could tell that the four linebackers were Deshaun White, Kenneth, Kenneth Murray, Levi Draper, and um, Brian Osamoa. Those were your four. I mean, that was, that was a given, right? Was I the only one that noticed that? And then, obviously, I think the line we saw that uh, uh, Eric Swenson was out. And just how much they were rotating around with all the drills and stuff. You know, they would have would look to be the starters in. The next thing you know, you have another mix of a couple dudes in with Creed. And you're just like, what the heck is going on? But that is just the beaten bow way. Like, he just does that. He finds that little niche. And he makes sure that there's a good 10, 11 dudes every year that can play and there's not much of a drop-off. And I think that's why Oklahoma has been so dominant and so deep for the past four or five years on the offensive line, It's because he's the best. And then, obviously, David Uwebu is he's huge, and he's long. I mean, it's a, he's like more skinny, but he's like long, and you can tell he can just move so well, you know, as an edge rusher. And I think the same goes for John Michael Terry. And then you and I's guy, Joseph Wede, he's just skinny, skinny right now. I mean... Like super skinny. Um, he's gonna put on weight though. I mean, he weighs two fifteen right now. He'll probably weigh two thirty by the end of this year, and then by next year, he'll weigh two forty. I mean, that's just gonna be a gradual thing for him. But he's gonna be really good. You can tell he moves well, and all that. And then obviously the defensive backs. 
we kind of know what it is with the defensive backs. You know what I mean? Like, we know who the players are. But I thought the physicality, the way that Jaden Davis looks, the way Woody Washington looks, and just the way Jeremiah Cordell, those, those freshmen, they look great. You know, for freshmen, they're built, they're strong, they move well. Um, you can tell that Manning and Grinch are coaching them up and really trying to get them to uh, understand that they're going to be leaned on this year. And that was touched on with Grinch. That was touched on with with Lincoln Riley. Everybody that talks about them, Coach Manning, dude, we got these, these freshmen. They don't realize that they've, they they don't have time to just say, oh, we need a year to adjust. You got to play this year, man. That's where we're at as a program. You're playing, and because you're one of the better players in the program as it is, so I think all of that just kind of stood up. It the the team overall looks more athletic than it has in the past, you know, three or four years, and they've been really athletic. Now, how is that going to translate on the field? Again, wait and see till September first. I think I you and I talked about it. It's all this wait and see stuff. You know, I I think. Uh, yeah, I thought there were a couple things because I spent more time with the defensive backs and the linebackers yeah, than did. I did with the receivers and, and the offense because I feel like I knew what I'm going to get. But even that, just what I got, and I put some of this out there uh, on video, but like just the receivers know what they're doing, man. Yeah, they do. You just know smooth when you see it. You know, smooth is fast, fast is smooth. I'm Dudes just know how to find the ball. You got quarterbacks that can put it where it needs to go. Like the line that I had was, after watching each one of those quarterbacks throw, every last one of them can start at Oklahoma. That's both Tanners, that's Spencer, that's Jalen. Every last one of them can start at Oklahoma. It's just this one is better than that one, is better than that one, is better than that yeah. one. Like it's it's that simple. And the margins are super thin. Like I, I've thought about this more at a high level, thinking about college football, but also just, you know, people that are really good at what they do, professional in what they do, the margins for who gets an opportunity and who doesn't are literally that thin. Like I keep going back to yeah. Austin Kendall. Riley versus, touched on that. Yeah, yeah. I keep going back to Austin Kendall versus Jalen Hurts and coming out together and Kendall being rated just a bit higher, like I want to say two spots higher than Jalen Hurts. Hurts got to start as a true freshman and – Kendall had to sit behind Baker and Kyler. I mean, it's literally <laughs> that. The greatest college quarterbacks of all time. No, I mean, it's it's literally that razor thin, you know? Yeah. You just, if you, I mean, it just didn't go your way in this manner. And sometimes that absolutely sucks. But what I liked most was watching the upperclassmen and the underclassmen who are going to be leaders this year be at the front of drills. You know, that's something yeah. we, we've taught from peewee on up, right? Get to the front of the drill, and you'll see coaches put the players that they expect to be their better players at the front of a drill. Yep. So you make sure you got good on good, and when you get broken up, Manning had the corners, Grinch had the safeties. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was interesting to see. Grinch is going horse, you know, and he's dropping F-bombs, but in a good way, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's positive. Yeah, for sure. He's getting after him. And, you know, that was big. That was good to see because the question I had about him was, cool, you're really good at bagging on him. Every coach can bag on players. It's part and parcel to what you do. You can't bag on a player, you probably you're not a coach. But can you coax him? You know, uh-huh. can you wrap your arms around him? Can you recognize effort as opposed to a dude that just made a mistake? And I think he can, especially in the way that he's been talking about the strides that they've made since spring, the strides that they've made since camp. They aren't where he wants them to be at all. But he's willing to concede some of these guys have just been busting their behinds on and off the field. And I thought it was, I'm going to say it, Buki has one Grinch over. And he ain't won he the has. rest of y'all over. Nope, you're right. But Brendan yes. Buki Radley-Hiles, a guy that everybody was out on, everybody called a prima donna. Grinch was out on when he showed right, up Right, here. I don't yes. like his Instagram, I don't like his tweets. And yes. even Grinch walks into the into the meeting room and says, you know who, you know, Buki's just being that guy, man. <laughs> yeah, he's one of our best players on defense. Straight out of his mouth. Man. Yep, that that blew me. The whole media scrum when he said that kind of looked around at each other like, dude, that is a 180 compared to what he was saying about him during the spring. So, I mean, that that's just – the thing about Grinch is you get what you're going to get with him, and he doesn't change. He's going to give – Benefit of the doubt, if you're a hard worker, 
you give it your all every time you go out there. You try to learn. You study your film. And you're a good teammate. And you play fast. Those are probably the six things that he looks at every day. Outside of you know trying to strip the ball because he looks at that way morning thing, but no, let's 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 jump on that for just a second because there were a couple. Well, of I just want to say that that he he gives you the benefit of the doubt because he's going to give you a chance. He's going to beat you down, but he's kind of like my military background, kind of like a, a, a the technical instructors, what they call them, TIs, the the guys that the military the MTIs, the guys that yell at you and scream at boot camps. They build, they beat you down, beat you down, then all of a sudden. They build you up and like, okay, I, I broke you down to where you're going to listen to me and you're going to buy into what I'm, I'm I'm telling you, and now I'm going to mold you, and if you 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 will continue to buy in, you and I are going to get along great, and guess what you're going to do? You're going to get better. You're going to get to play, and Buki did that. Like this is a different Buki than freshman Buki, and it's you can see it in the interviews, you can hear it in the coaches, the way they talk about him. It's it's different. I kind of I kind of want to push back on that in just a just a little bit. You know, not to okay. disagree, but just to no, add no, some, no, some context, right? So I hear that I'm hearing. Okay, we got Buki turning over New Leaf. Not it's the same cat. It's the same cat. I, he's I'm just saying, more mature, is what I'm saying. No, no, what I'm saying is he showed that as a freshman. So like when we were all very excited about him, and we are you know we're part. He was friggin' preseason newcomer of the year last year. So it wasn't just us. It was everybody, right? Dude yeah. hadn't played a snap of college football. We were always like, this dude is going to be the dude, not just at OU, but in the Big 12. And I remember just how does he carry himself? How is he talking? Caleb Kelly actually had the best story about him. He said, look, that dude ain't acting like no freshman. It's like, what do you mean acting like a freshman? It's like Mike yells at everybody. Right, Mike is gonna get under your skin, especially as a freshman. Some of y'all, especially yeah. if you're five star, you ain't just just ain't used to being yelled at like that. You're used to being, you know, talked to like a peer. And Mike is turning red, just getting after people. And Buki would walk up to Mike and say, "Yo, coach, just tell me what you would like me to do. I obviously I'm not getting it right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I will fix it." And for an 18 year old kid, the hell yeah, to say it in that <laughs> way. Even Caleb Kelly was like, that wouldn't have been me, man. And I'm like, nah, that wouldn't have been 98% of us. That wouldn't have been us. any of us. So yeah. Tucking our tails and you know, like you know, I, I, trying to hide in the fetal position. We yeah. always look at some of these kids and we say, that dude is going to be a head coach, right? That dude is going to play at the next level. Whatever. Dude, I want him to keep his hair if he's going to be a head coach. That'll be badass. Well, we'll see. But <laughs> I could totally see Tanner Schaefer, right? Doing the Lincoln Riley, we I think we all saw that. But Buki, yeah. I think that dude's gonna turn into one hell of a of a coach. He might coach the other side of the ball. I don't know, but just his demeanor. The more that he plays, and he's only a sophomore, a true sophomore, mm-hmm. he's taken to a new position that he didn't play in high school. It is the toughest position to play in a defensive backfield anywhere. It's also the one that can make you the most money in the NFL. And all this talk about him being undersized, all this talk about him being burnt him being dragged, me defending him against being dragged, and that dude has done nothing but win over the people that get to see him every single day. Right. You know? And that, So I don't know that that was pushing back, but I just kind of I wanted to add that story. Yeah, just on that, you talk about being a coach. Think, think about the OU roster as it sits right now. Name five players that you think will be coaches, because a lot of them, you know, a lot of former players end up being coaches, but right. like I'm talking about five guys you think will be successful coaches right now. I got five already on top Oh, yeah. Of uh, okay, so we'll see how many we match up with. This will be interesting. Okay. Buki, okay, Pat Fields. Yep, yep two. Uh, Trey Brown. Uh, yes and yeah, no. Okay. I don't no, have no, any. he doesn't have to be on top, your list. He'd be, uh, he'd be my top seven. Okay. I, I had Trey Brown by top seven, yeah. Um, I just did this while you were talking. <laughs> <My head. laughs> no, it's 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 actually this is a fun exercise because it's telling you a lot about what we think of leaders. Uh, Jamal Morris, I just I just know too much. Yeah, I, but I want to hear him talk like now, like okay, he's gone through. Okay, um, I guess let's then let's make it a little bit more interesting, and, and I'll just take I'll take redshirt freshman and freshman off the list. How about that? Does that make it more interesting? Mm, yeah, that makes it more interesting. Actually, yeah. Okay. So, I got the two safeties. Yep. Um, man. Oh come on, Jalen. Of course. Yeah. I was like, damn. No, no. Like I'm just. I'm still on the defensive side of the ball, dog. Like I was just. 
pictures going through my Rolodex. I mean, Jalen was the first one I thought of just because of his, his background. But yeah. No. Uh, yeah, that's... Man, that one's staring you straight in the face. If you look too hard, you're going to miss it. Because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just not thinking about it like that. His whole family is coaches. Right. Brother. Sh- yeah. yeah. Schaefer. Uh, okay. For, yep. Okay. And. Ooh. Oh, come on, man. Hold on. Give me oh, a second. My. Give me a second. Defense or offense? Defense. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, he has the voice for it, too. Caleb Kelly? No. No. Okay, no. who you got? Gallimore would be my fifth. Really? I love his voice. He Neville? Just strikes me as really? A, yeah. Well, okay. He strikes All me right. as a coach, yeah. All right. Strikes me as a coach. Okay, so my five was Neville, Jalen, Patrick Fields, Tanner Schaefer, and number five for me was, um, oh, my God, I just went, oh, uh, Kenneth Murray. So Murray for me, right? Like I could see him coaching, but yeah. – Man, everything I'm learning about that dude, I just – some coaches call themselves teachers, right, and they get the label as teachers. That dude actually is a teacher. You know what I mean? Like I could see him coaching because he played the game and because he's played right. it at this high level. But I look at Murray and I see a teacher or a minister. You know, that's just who that dude is to me. Yeah, you know what, though? I'll tell you this. So, you know, I'm, I'm, Kenneth is a good dude. Yeah. Um, no, no, hundred. Like I, I love it. my. Well, listen, this is a cool story, man. So I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not cool, but I mean, it's it's it tells you the type of person he is. So, um, we don't talk like obviously during the season because you're not supposed to. You know that's the rule. But I have surgery. What was the date I had surgery? It was July twelfth, right? Yeah, yeah, July twelfth. Yeah. 12th. yeah. And it was right before Big 12 Media Day. And my wife tweets out, you know, pray for my husband, blah, 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 blah. Don't say blah, and blah, blah. Amy was yeah, as, well, as just, sick no, no, as no, we I'm all were. No, when I say, because I don't remember the whole tweet. I just remember, pray for my husband, he's having surgery, all that stuff. You're also and a horrible sick person. Like, you're just, you're the, you're the worst to talk to. Because <laughs> it's, it's all, hey, hey, Brandon, sit down. I don't need to sit down. All right, dude. Yeah. Yeah, true. And um, so literally like two minutes later, I get a text, and it's Kenneth, and he goes, man, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I know you've had issues for like the last couple of years, and just just want you to know it hasn't gone unnoticed, and uh, you just know that you're my boy, and that's it. I'm praying for you. And that was it. I mean, I said thanks. You know, we left it at that because I, it's just one of those deals where we don't, you know, it, it was getting close to that time of year where, you know, you just, if you, cut off if you see each other, yeah, if you see each other, it's just like, you just, you, you don't, that's when you talk is if you see each other in person, say what's up, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I just thought, you know, that that's the kind of guy that he is. I mean, that he took the time off of a tweet to go, oh, I'm going to text him and tell him that I'm praying for him. And that's, that is the type of guy that Kenneth Murray is. He is one of the best human beings walking the face of the earth. And I think the C, C, uh the CPR incident where he saved the old lady's life, uh, just having to be the right place at the right time, is another validation of the human being that he is. That he took the time because of his background training in the community center to to just jump in there and take control of the situation and make sure that she stayed alive before the paramedics got there. So for folks that need context, on yeah, that, go ahead, yeah, right. context, uh, yeah. Uh, in June, Murray was driving home from church like you do with his girlfriend. <laughs> And they saw a car just go erratic on the road on Highway 9. Where I mean, many of you understand that Highway 9 is at the south end of Norman. It's at the south end of campus. It, you know, it's it's at not the city a straight limits. road. Right. It's at the city limits. And you know, it's also the place where you get pulled over the most <laughs> having lived there. <laughs> so this car goes erratic, and it goes off the side of the road. And Murray doesn't keep driving. Murray stops the car. He gets out of the car. He sees that. One woman is losing her mind on the on the side of the road. Another woman seems to be unresponsive. And he immediately goes to CPR and ascertains that they are both deaf. So nobody can actually say what's going on or communicate. So Murray tells his girlfriend Val, call 911 and go straight into CPR. And he said himself, I didn't know if she was dead or alive. I thought I lost her, but I kept doing what I was taught to do. Paramedics showed up. And they saved her life. He saved her life. 
just by being there, pumping blood through her heart. He got that training at Reach down in Mesquite as a kid. And then is the kind of guy to get back in the car with his girlfriend, go home. And it's two weeks before his father finds out about this incident. Because Murray ain't the kind of dude to tell anybody anything ever. Yeah. That's 100. I mean, I did it. I mean, I, I know the story in this detail because I told it on, on the radio here in Tulsa. Yeah. But, man, I, if, I like to think, you know, I, I pull for the right guys. You know what I mean? Not 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 the most talented guys, although everybody that comes to Oklahoma is talented. Yeah. You pull for the right guys. Like there there are certain like you and I, we talk to kiddos, man, daily, right? Dude, yeah, and you see how bored when people back they're like, Why are you why are you always defending Kenneth Murray? Right. Well, I just gave you two or three reasons why. There is a reason why that we if you see reporters defend certain kids, there is probably a, one the relationship with the kid that they've had prior to them showing up to campus and or they've gotten the relationship while they're on campus and they know the human being that the guy is so you're going to cheer for him it is not we are not supposed to but it is human nature for us to cheer for people that you grow close to that you like that you know and it happens for coaches you know it does the coaches love him too well i mean but but i mean for us like you'll, you'll you'll just meet a guy and he's Excellent in that red room. He's excellent yes. whenever you need to just talk to him about something that, you know, and might make. Really, yeah, he's great interview. He's right. Great. Those those sorts of folks. Right. Like uh, I will yep. go to bat for Lon Kruger every single day of the week, twice on Sunday. That man is the kindest. He is willing to pick up a bad question and run with it. He's gonna give you time. He's going <laughs> to give you a lot of nothing, even if he has something to say. It's yeah. going to be shrouded by, you know, it's a good ball club. We we tried to come out there and get a W. He's always smiling. Like, I only saw Lon Kruger upset the one time, and it was Stephen Pledger was showing off when he had no business showing off, and they were they were a bad team. Yeah. But, but even then, it was very quick. It was left-handed runner, are you kidding me? And that was that. You know, just you pull for those folks because they're good people. Because And not to say that you don't know a lot that of good people. That was Iowa State, wasn't it? When he had like 36. Uh, and yeah, but it was like really, two games after yep. that. Okay. Because he was still feeling yep. himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, no, he had 38 in that. That was the year after. That was the year okay. after. Yeah, he didn't score okay. 38 again like that. Um, but my, my point here is we'll, we'll just meet people at the right time, and something about them will be revealed. Some story that you're told, some story that you walk yep. through, some the way that a kid responded to a text, the way that a kid rescheduled an interview – the way that they, they say yes, sir, and no, sir, or they want to be measured in what they have to say, but they are unafraid of being themselves. I, I mean, that's the biggest part of recruiting for me that I love is I was talking to a buddy of mine who works with uh, – he, he works with well, – I'd say he's a recruiting analyst is what he is. But we're talking about building a roster, right? And we're talking about uh-huh. getting control of a locker room. And in this day and age where it seems that the kids have more agency than they've ever had, or as, as they said, they have more juice than they ever had. He says, like, how do you how do you get discipline in a locker room, man? Like, what do you do? Because it feels like if you if you press these kids like we were pressed even 10 years ago, you're going to end up with a kid in the portal. You know, you're going to end up with a Tate Martell showing his behind because he didn't get what he wanted. And I said, if you're recruiting the kind of kids that – you think could lead you and yeah, every kid ain't got to be that kid. But if you got three or four in every class that you're like, that's my captain. That's the kid I want leading us. They'll police your locker room. They'll give you some discipline. They'll follow your lead. And Murray is that dude. Brendan Radley Hiles is that dude. Gallimore though, you know, I, I, I mean, he can coach. They all can coach. He's that dude. He's going to command that presence in the locker room and they're going to get the rest of your roster right and correct and in line, which goes back to the whole Mike Stoops thing for me, Curtis Bolton was leading that squad. And yeah. if you're having it out with Curtis Bolton, you've lost the squad. Yeah, that is a prime example of what happened last year. You know, I didn't, I never thought of it that way. That's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. And <clears throat> I was going to say when you were talking about Grinch earlier <clears throat> and how he was, how he can build them up. Like we were talking about how he, he doesn't just knock them down like he did all spring. He's actually talking to these guys, coaching them up, and 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 saying the Pat Fields of the world, so the Delarian Turner yells, the 
the Neville Gallimers of the world are, and Ronnie Ronnie uh, Perkins are playing, <clears throat> man, outstanding right now. And he named Trey Brown as another guy. And to, when he says those things, you take that as it's fact because of the other things that he said. And when I guess my point is, is that the players like him. They don't care that he is, you know, saying those things publicly because I think behind the scenes he says that to them as well. But he also probably has a caveat behind it saying, look, I say those things because I'm trying to push you guys to get to this level. You may not like it, but I think you're going to like where you're going to be at this certain point in time down the road. Just follow with me. Trust me because I love you and I want, you know, I want what's best for you guys. And that's my whole prime and purpose in all this. And I know that's what coaches do. Sometimes they don't go about it the right way. And maybe Grinch has found a, you know, the right nerve with this OU team. We don't know yet, obviously, because we haven't seen him play. But but the point being is, is they all seem to really like him. Like, you've always got that kind of, uh, with, with Stoops, because you had, you would hear things. You haven't heard anything about Grinch yet. You know what I mean? 100%. And I also wanted to tie that up with, it matters. It matters more that they love you, not like you, that they love you. Yes. Than it does whether or not you can coach. I, honestly. Oh yeah, they'll play hard for. Like Ruffin was a prime example for that. My my favorite story about a coach and how he was able to get across his point to a player that was less than enthusiastic is Warren Sapp talking about Tony Dungy. Right? Anybody that's heard Tony Dungy speak likes Tony Dungy. He's mild-mannered. He does not fit the description of what you think of as a head coach, right? He ain't yelling. He ain't screaming, especially as a defensive-minded coach, right? And what brought that out was Warren Sapp, who's the loudest, most braggadocious dude who ever played defensive tech, right? I went to the U. I'm the best there ever was. <laughs> I'm the best there's ever going to be. And he missed an assignment while he was playing for Tony. And he knew he missed the assignment because he freelanced, right? He knew what he's supposed to do, and he decided to do something else, and it didn't work, and they got gashed. So he goes to sit down on the sideline, and Tony Dungy walked up to him, and he's expecting to get his butt chewed out. And he's looking away from coach, and he's got his head to him, uh, turned to him, and he's going, I don't, I don't want to hear anything you got to say. And Tony just said, hey, with his hands up, hey, Warren, I, I understand you're upset. I understand being upset, made a mistake. It happens, but what did I do? Like, did I did I do something wrong? Did I not coach this play? Did I coach it wrongly? Did I not give you the right call? Did we mix up the signals? What happened? And it was done in such a way that Warren Sapp got it in his head that he never, ever wanted to disappoint Tony Dungy ever again. <laughs> so when we say that, this, that they'll run through a brick wall for you, that's what we're talking about. They don't want to let you down. And we feel that yeah. way about our parents, right? They, they raise us correctly, you know what I mean? We yep. feel like we have to vindicate the people who raised us. We have to vindicate our teachers. We have to vindicate the people who believed in us to get to this position. That means we were, it was done the right way, right? We bought into what they were doing. So when we talk about buy-in and we use all this coach speak, we're talking about earning each other's trust and then learning to love each other. And you'll go through the wars. I mean, to get back to OU, Grinch actually said some really interesting things about this in that, hey, you know, one of the things that I, that I did not – immediately get when I got here was that this is exactly the kind of group that you want. Like they're much further ahead than I was at Washington state because these kids have been through everything, you know, they've gotten their butts chewed. They've been highs, highs. They've been lowest lows. They know what all that looks like. They just want somebody to lead them and tell them, this is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to win. And I'm going, uh Oh, <laughs> all right. That's a, this is the first time in all of, uh, in all of this that I have thought straight up and down, they might have something. They might legitimately have something. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that there is a lot of um, – I'm totally lost right now, dude. I totally Grinch, distracted. Grinch, Grinch. Yeah, yeah. Grinch. Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm with you on him. Um, they, I, I do believe that they have something. I do believe that there's going to be mass, massive improvement – just because that there's a lot more unity, and I think just a different vibe is going on. And you, we talked about this in previous podcasts. I, I get the it's a feeling that I get when I'm you hear and you speak to these guys. 
especially when you have guys like Patrick Fields, Neville Gallimore, and Kenneth Murray leading, and Trey Brown, they're very serious. They're serious guys. You didn't have a lot of those guys speaking up last year because they weren't, outside of Neville, they were, well, I guess Kenneth to an extent, they weren't. No, they, they're, they're still underclassmen technically. Right, but they weren't. That's what I'm saying. You they know, were young. And, they and, were young, 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 yeah, young. Yeah, that's what I so, mean. They're still, they're still underclassmen, and they're leaders now. Like that's how they young leaders, they were last yes, year. Yes, and they, uh, yes, and you see it. You can see it. You can feel it, and you can feel the difference just in. And I, I think you saw it yesterday, just in how they go about practice, how everything's done. It just seems like it has a different feel to it. And for me, that means that it's going to be better. And I, I, I hear people on the radio, national guys saying, "Look." The Oklahoma is going to be way better on defense. Like even the national people are buying into this. Is that good? Is that bad? We don't know yet because yeah, the it national could be a people massive are reading, failure. Are reading all of us, dude? Hey, okay, they um, are. But I mean, some of them are showing up out here though too. Chris, and Chris Lowe the, and Chris Ed Lowe Ash here. and Ed Ashoff. Well, and and uh, what's the uh, the goat? Uh, you said the goat. <laughs> female. What's her name? Uh, 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 uh Holly. Holly Rowe, Holly, and Maria yeah, Taylor, Holly, Holly, yeah, Holly, yeah, Holly, Miss Holly's here. So I mean, that uh, uh, going a little, uh, <laughs> a little uh, uh, Trey Young. What, Ms. what Holly? What I love Holly? though is that you said the goat, and I immediately knew you're talking about Holly Rowe because she is. No, she's awesome. She she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, awesome. reporter, just reporters overall, as far as like getting personal with people, she's the best. Her and uh, um. Oh my Maria goodness, Taylor, guy, or are you are you talking no, about a buddy or guy? Guy. Oh, uh, um, Tom Rinaldi. Tom Rinaldi. Those yeah. are the two best uh, yeah. of getting like personal and making you open up. They're great. And then you got Todd why... McShay over here going, "All right, here's this NFL draft nugget." Yeah, X's nose guy. Um, he's so he's so intense. Like if you meet him, met him in person, put put, put a football in Lugan Bill's hands, and I swear he's gonna try to run out there and take snaps. Yeah, Luganville showed up in the cowboy boots saying, "Get some of this. Check this XFL ring I got on." He will hop on any show if you give him time. He's he's great. He's no, I I he turned me down. Turned me down. Did he really? He turned me down. Like he was like, "Win," and then I and then I go got ghosted. Okay, well, so so Tom Luganville, we'll talk and we'll talk off the air. I'll get you hooked up with that. And Joel and Joel's dodging me too. Oh, Clyde. Clark's a good dude, man, but right. I don't know that he – yeah, he, he – He's a good yeah. dude. Dodgy. He, he, he was supposed to be on our podcast one time. Yeah, I, I got I got the tweet saying, hey, let's see if we can't make this happen, and that's from November. Yeah. Joel. Anyways. Joel, I'm trying to get that conversation going. Yeah. Where you at, Joel? Right? <laughs> right? And what was what it? Oh, my God. Not to get political. Yeah, I can't do that. I tell don't you. I tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, off air. Yep. Anyway, yep. yeah, so, so anyway, back to what we were saying about Grinch. Yeah, it's – totally has a different feel to it and it may be the newness of it all i don't know uh but i do feel that i'm really getting a vibe of just i I don't i'm not saying they're gonna be a top 50 defense i'm thinking if they're top 70 this year that is a huge yes but top 70 ought to win a national championship that's the that's the that's the, yes, exactly. If you have top seventy, God, it's not that big a nash, man. National championship, and that that is my point. I guess if you have a top seventy defense this year, you better be at least playing for the national title. If not, there's something going on with the offense. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I want to I want to jump on this for just a second. Um, I did a bit about this on my show, but I think it was Palmatier. Yeah, it was Tyler Palmatier that caught this from the normal transcript. Austin Jackson. Transferred in as a grad transfer, Clemson, right. safety, walk-on. Not a scholarship player. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I put that up there on the board today. Okay, yeah. I, I just wanted to address that now because I know people saw Clemson and grad transfer and safety and were just kind of got their eyes got real big and like, nah, man, walk-on. Didn't even play snaps over there. But I would say this, right, and I said this on the radio, having a guy that knows what a national championship football team looks like and was a part of, and how they conduct their business, and how they go about getting prepared, especially when you get into those games that absolutely positively matter, like November, like Big 12 Championship, like 
winning the semifinal, I think that guy can really help you out. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike this at all. You know, I feel like that guy's gonna have people listening to him, but maybe not in the traditional way. I I agree. Okay. All right. I don't want to, what else to say to you. <laughs> no, I just, hey, well, you know, like I knew that we were going to get questions from it from people that are paying attention to the roster and be like, hey, man, you guys missed this? Hey, look, we're looking at guys that are trying to get here on scholarship, okay? Like, yeah, pretty we, much. Yeah, if that, Kelvin that, that, Joseph decided to come here, we know about it, all right? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. So you're, you're not going to get the grad transfer because it even surprised Oklahoma. They weren't even sure if you – Go to our, our site, and I'm going to have Lincoln Riley's video up here tonight. It, it, he talked about it, and he said, look, we didn't even know it was going to work out because I mean, we just figured it out at the beginning of this week, and that's why he showed up you know, yesterday at practice. So, I mean, it, it's a good get for Oklahoma. They think he can play. Now, I, if he hops into the two deep, I think he'll get on. I think he'll get a scholarship for Man, it. So his last year. If he it. hops into the two deep, that means he's ahead of Cradell. That means he's ahead of. Uh, well, Cradell's down there at nickel right now. Well, I'm just I'm just talking out loud, right? Uh, he's ahead of Cradell. Yeah. He's ahead of Broyles. He's ahead of. Um, well, oh, Grinch Morris Grinch did say that he doesn't like any. He's not real happy with the guys behind Patrick Fields and Delarian Turner. But he also threw in that that's because those guys are playing so well. Well, and he's very and, proud of what they're doing. A thing that he said that I thought we needed to touch on was, hey, I, th- I pretty well know who my best 11 are, right? Um, now I'm looking for my best 22, and I'm like, ooh, now I get to pencil in who your defensive starters are, and I think I got a beat on it. I think I got 9 out of 11 down. About okay, you. let's hear them. Okay. Uh, Pat Fields at, at free. Free safety. Yeah, yep. at free. Delarian at DT seven, will. right? Yep. Uh, Brown at corner. Yep. Uh, yep. Motley at corner. Yep. Uh, oh, and and or well, Broyles, right? Or no, no, uh, uh, no, no. Parker. Uh, Parker. Excuse JP, me. JP. Parker, yeah, uh, Broyles yep. working at nickel. Um, Parker. So Parker was running with the ones, by the way, uh, at at yep. the practice. Yep. Him and Motley. Yep. So that was yeah. That's me. Um, White and Murray in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perk. Uh, Nick That then that that other defensive tackle. I think it's Bob Mattel, but we'll see. And then the mm-hmm. rush end is uh, Redmond if he's healthy. Yeah, Redmond and Andor uh, uh, John Michael. No, John Michael Terry. Ooh, John Michael Terry's been working with the ones. Yo, when, there's a note. Remember, we were going. Where the hell is he? Yeah, I put it. I put that in there on the board, bro. Okay, so wait, board. wait a second. Did yeah, I go? For did, that little nugget. did I go nine for eleven or ten for eleven? He went ten for eleven. Okay, all right, cool. Yep. All right. So that's not bad. Uh, yeah, and I, I so if you want to go to the backups, you got JP at corner, you got Jaden Davis at corner, you have Barnes at, at Man, strong. People from uh, Tennessee are gonna be pissed. Woody Washington. Yeah, like they're 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 so well, like the the folks that get in get at me on the regular like through email and Twitter and Facebook, be like, yo, what's going on with Woody? That dude's the best we got. That dude can play. Well, he he's play, he's gonna play. He's gonna play. He's no, gonna but they be, all expected him to start. Like they, yeah, like not I know, right? But I'm just I'm just laying it out for you. The folks from Tennessee are like, nope, this is the best DB well, you have. <clears throat> no, well, let me talk, <laughs> folks from Tennessee. If you're listening to this podcast, Woody Washington's gonna be really good. But just because what Oklahoma has looked like on defense the last couple of years, it ain't because of talent. <laughs> there's, yeah, a, there's just, four and five stars in front of you. Hey, man. There's a reason why, man. No, like, I thought it was funny because, like, what? I gotta. I should screenshot you this. One dude was like, hey, polish that Thorpe Award for my boy Woody. <laughs> and I was oh, like, uh, you know what? Maybe in three, four years it could happen. It's like, nope, 2019, mark it down. <laughs> he said 2019, mark it down. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, I love Woody. I love him. We both so, like him. But my goodness. Let me let me have that irrational confidence everywhere I go. No doubt. So I think here's the crazy part. So when you start looking at the defensive line, you talk about youth and athleticism. That's where Oklahoma is at right now. Because as far as backing up, so you got Kenneth Mann, who's going to be uh, probably. I'd probably say he's probably going to start at that other side or whatever. I don't know. What you want to call it? The defensive end. I just five. call it strong side defensive end. It's five technique. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to dumb it down and be general for the general audience. Um, so the, uh, they probably, they're smart. They got it. They know what a four I and five. A lot of people don't know what four I and five. Hey man, I spend I spend a lot of time on my channel on my show going. This is a four I. This is a five I. This is a shade. This is a foot right. nine. This well, is a down watched, seven. If you watched RJ stuff, and that that's why I don't really like to get into the particulars of it all because of just that. Because I get then I have to start explaining stuff, and then I don't like doing that. Um, I love talking ball. Y'all get I, it, I love doing. I like doing it, but then at the same time. Some it always turns into another question and another question, another question. I'm just like, oh geez, I'm gonna get into like the history of the X's. So why? So, so why do we play with eleven and not twelve? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. So you're gonna Kith Man, uh, Marcus Stripling's playing really well. Um, we talked about Dave Uwebu on um, David Uguebu. Man, that's hard to say. Uguebu. There you go. There you go. Uguebu. No, I had I to practice too. He 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 taught him. Um, that's why I'm correcting you. He talked at me. the rush edge, yeah, and then uh, obviously Q Overton's a guy that's playing well. Um, and wouldn't it be great for him to have Gallimore. a great redshirt senior year? I mean, because people forget he's basically the same age as Gallimore. Oh yeah, you know, and that's a dude from Jinx. I mean, I'd really like to see. And we say this all the time when when the backbone of your defense is from Oklahoma, they're really good. And yep. you know, like I know that Draper and Meade are, are next up, but yeah, yeah, they're behind. They're they're your back. Right, up. but you got Draper's Brown and Mike, right? And you got Brown Meade and is, uh yeah. and Fields starting back there. But I stepped over this. I'm sorry. You were going to tell everybody who is. Yeah, Mike yeah and that's Will. A, you name you went you name the linebackers. Okay, will probably be it'll be Meade and or Brown Osamoa at the wheel. That's my guess because I think Draper is most likely going to be the backup Mike right now. I, I can and, see that because that puts him in really great position next year, provided Kenneth Murray Jr. makes the leap to the NFL, especially if he has the kind of season that he had last year. You know, because there now there are more eyeballs on him, right? Now everybody's expecting to see 150 tackles this year. It's, and yeah, it's, you know, so like I could see that. Plus, we all know that oh, the dude is built for it. You saw the scouts at the practice yesterday, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and they got they you know, all went stood over stuff. there at the linebackers watching. Watching, and the thing is, is everybody goes over to linebackers because you, you, when you look at Kenneth Murray, when you look at, um, when you look at, um, dang man, my phone keeps ringing. When you look at Kenneth Murray, when you look at uh, Deshaun White, when you look at um, Brian Osamo, when you look at Levi Draper and Brian Mead for, I mean, he he looks the part too. Um, you look at those four or five guys. That catches your eye. You're gonna want to know well, what's up with these dudes right here. Like, they look the part. Like we've talked about, the most athletic and deepest the linebacker position has been in five or six years. At, at least, have, maybe, at least, may, maybe a decade. Because I was, I was actually giving that some thought, right? Uh, because I'm thinking, Dom. Yeah, Alexander, I was thinking Travis Lewis's last year was pretty good. Okay, all right. Um, Keenan Clayton, Travis Lewis. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds, all those guys. That was pretty good. That was a pretty good lineup. I did want to touch on Lincoln and what he had to say today uh, before we got out of here. But uh, okay. one of the things yeah. first, Lincoln out here throwing shade, talk about, hey, what's going on, Eric Swenson? Well, apparently he wasn't good enough to play at Michigan, but he's good <laughs> enough to play awesome. here. That was it's his like, walk off too. Yo, <laughs> he walked off after he said it. Zing. Said I'm out. <laughs> yep. Here's that, that mic good. for me to drop. Yeah, he said, well, you know, we're. Maybe he – I guess he wasn't good enough to play at Michigan, but he is here. And just kind of saying we're better than Michigan, we've been better than Michigan, and the guy's going to be our starting left tackle. So – He didn't say he's going to be our starting left tackle. Right, but – But we, we, we – yes, yes. We know that's the case. So that is the most interesting part of that whole, whole ordeal. And I think the Jalen Redmond deal that you teased earlier when I asked the question – you know, it was asked about, you know, how he looked. I said, yeah, great. And I said, well, how much do you see the basketball side of him out there? And he said, man, when you get him running around in space and and trying to, you know, rush outside that edge and the way he can turn his hips and does everything that he does at 270 pounds, you can tell he's an athlete and that he has some sort of background playing basketball because of the way he moves. 
People his size don't move like that normally. And he's and he's physical, though, in the way he plays. When you think of a natural basketball player, you don't think of physicality. But he's physical. And I think that, to me, was probably the most striking um, quote that he said, other than he said that Jalen Redmond practices with a joy and tenacity that other people don't in the most simplest of drills because it was almost taken from him. So he doesn't take anything for granted at this stage. And I thought that was really cool, too. No, that's big time. No, that's big time. Um, I think there was something else that we wanted to hit before he got out of here. The quarterback. There you go. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Riley talked a lot about um, the quarterbacks and just how hard it is to gauge the passing, the drills, and all that. And he went through like this long list of things that he looks for. He said, the way you run drills – like literally, you're the one running the drills. Um, the way you, you know, communicate with your teammates. The way you carry yourself when you're in distress at practice, and when we're pushing the envelope with you, trying to get you uncomfortable. Um, and it's not just the passing. So I asked another question. I said, "You've had all these guys that are mobile, and when you get them out there, and you you don't allow them to run, how do you go about using that?" as your basis for naming your starting quarterback because Jalen, Kyler, Tanner Mordecai can run. Uh, obviously, Baker could run. Um, Spencer can run. Spencer's a really good runner, too. So, I mean, yeah. So, basically, everybody they've had could run. How do you go about saying, okay, well, this guy we know would have extended this play out with his feet. What about this guy doing this? And he said, that's a really good question. Um, we have to use our gut. Because a lot of times, you don't want to obviously put them in a bad situation, get them injured. We pride ourselves on being using only one quarterback all year for the past five years. That's what we do. Everybody's been able to stay healthy. It's been really good. We haven't lost a starter. And he said I, he didn't want to. He didn't want to give how many games in a row. It's because he said he said I got a knock on wood type deal because he was being superstitious at the time. And then he said, well. We like to make sure that we sit down as a as a as a uh, staff on the off days. So we practice for five days, give them a day off. Practice for five days, give them a day off. So they're going to do a big scrimmage tonight on a. This is a Tuesday night that we're uh, recording this. So I'm assuming I I think Thursday is a day that they have off, if I can remember correct. And they're going to practice, and then Sunday is another scrimmage in the end of fall, and they do like a big celebration. And then they start preparing for Houston after that for the next two weeks and or everybody else. So probably the first week they'll prepare four or five games and they'll throw a whole bunch of stuff in to get them just in their minds of what's going on. And then after that they'll uh, prepare for Houston only like the last nine days um, leading up to the game. But the point being is, is he said, we have to use our guts. We have to get down as a staff. We have to say, okay, we know they can run. We can do all this. But in our gut, who do we feel is the guy? Who do we feel is the best leader? Who do we feel that the team is going to rally behind the most at this point in the season? That doesn't mean, you know, I, he didn't say this, but he's not talking about later on in the year. He's talking about right now, today, who would it be? we got to name a starter because we've got to get going game one. And that's how they're going to go about it. And that's how he says he wants to stick to that. He even talked about not, you know, throwing in plays for Jalen and his physicality when he runs, or or even Kyler last year. He goes, we have these set of plays that we run during the fall camps and spring, and that's what we use to gauge it off of, and we have to use our gut with everything else. So I thought that was an interesting take by him. Um, you can hear the full interview on OUinsider.com on the VIP board. I'll have it up tonight. I've, it's just crazy to me. Like, you don't allow him to get touched, and you know that if they if Jalen Hurts rolls out, he's probably going to make that throw because you've seen him do it at Alabama across the field, backside post, wide open. And he's rolling out the opposite direction and making that throw because he's extended the play out, and or he just takes off running and goes 80, 80 yards down the field because he's a four or five guy at two hundred twenty five pounds. You you use that right? I mean, you've got to use that in your head during practice and know that that's probably what would have happened on that play. And I think that's what is separating. It, it may not be separating as far as Jalen Hurts is what he's doing with that blue jersey on, but I think 
the intangibles outside of that blue jersey is what separates him away from everybody else right now. I think that's a good way to put it and a good place to leave it. Um, that is Brandon Drum, lead team and recruiting writer at OUinsider.com. I'm RJ Young. I kind of do everything. Swiss Army Knife. He is our Trey Norwood. Hey, 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 hey. I like my knees. You, have, you have a good you. ACL, though. Thank, thank, thank you. No, I've blown him out twice. So <laughs> it just did You have blown one out, haven't you? Yeah, yeah I've, blown this, I've blown out both of my knees. Uh, ACL twice on one and the meniscus oh, on the other. You are Trey Norwood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did, you know, I got some. And that's got some, not making a joke about injuries, guys. I mean, literally, RJ is our Trey Norwood. Swiss Army Knife. I, I have a recruiting... I have a big recruiting story coming out later this week. I put up like five videos over the last six days. And yeah, I write columns and features and whatever else that needs to be done. And he's a radio show guy. Show guy so. Man, do I, I, got, I got like 85. You shows. got a lot going on, bro. Hey, man. I'm just happy to do this podcast. It is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Uh, please subscribe to OUinsider.com. Yes, please. We, we like seeing <laughs> our I'm numbers begging. reflect on this podcast. You guys have been great with it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's like, subscribe, yeah, all man. that stuff to whatever you all listen to it on. Subscribe, like, uh, rate it. Five star, please. You can one star it if you say something funny. Um, no, you can't. Do it. No, please don't. Um, but <laughs> seriously, though, we appreciate everybody's listening. Uh, it's fun. We, we try to do this multiple times now every week, and it has been a blast for us because – I think it's more fun now that the season's getting closer because we have a lot we can talk about. But yeah, and and also recruiting's going to pick back hassle. up in like two weeks, and I know that there's some. I'm excited about that because that means I get to go watch yeah, a lot of recruiting. High yes, God, man, it's dead period. So, and people are getting anti about recruiting on the website. I'm like, yeah, uh, dude, it's dead period. I can't do anything. I can't even help you right now. Saving like, this one for the next podcast, but we're gonna have to unpack yet again why OU's recruiting ranking is such. But that's. That might be a podcast Pay, unto itself. Patience is a virtue. That's all I have to say. Uh, yeah, uh, as the old as the old people say, patience is yeah, a virtue. You know, we're we're me. We're we want it now. We're millennials. Remember, we're immediate. All this yep. crap. That anyway. Now I'm gonna start doing my ageism thing. You know what? I'm gonna just <laughs> put the end button right now. There's stop. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, I lied. Uh, we said we were going to talk about Mike Gaddis, and as soon as I hit the stop button because I wanted, you know, not go <laughs> into the deep water of ageism, Brandon was like, yo, we didn't talk about Mike Gaddis. And I was like, yeah, we'd probably get roasted on Twitter if we didn't talk about Mike Gaddis after teasing Mike Gaddis. So my childhood hero. I'm going to – I I will follow with my thoughts after you tell your story. I, I'm actually really interested to hear this because I've heard it once, but I want to hear it again. Yeah, so – he, he obviously he blew his ACL. Um, I think it was nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine. So he set out all the whole ninety season, and I was at the game that he blew his ACL because I can remember sitting like ten rows up with my mom, my dad, um, and he was obviously he he didn't get touched. He was running all alone, and it sounded literally like. A gunshot went off when he hit, and he just grabbed. Obviously, we all know the story. Um, but um, later on in 1990, we have season tickets. My parents do. We go up to the Oklahoma State game in Stillwater when OU goes to OSU, and I'm sitting there with my family, and we have really low down behind the OU bench, and I'm yelling at Mike Gaz. You know, blah, blah, blah. And there's these select few of OSU students that are up. And I'm seven, mind you, I'm seven time. So Gaddis was everything to me because that's all I knew. An Oklahoma kid was a superstar, came to OU and, and turned out to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Was probably going to win the Heisman Trophy in 89 had he not blown out his knee. He already had almost 1,000 yards head, heading after the Texas game. I mean, he had 889 or something. If I can't remember off the top of my head. But he, it was over. He had 829. Was, okay, 829. Sorry. My point being, yeah, almost 1,000. So he was, he, was, he was averaging almost 200 yards a game at the time. It was something ridiculous. And I'm yelling. I'm screaming down at him, Mike, Mike, Mike. I can, his oily jerry curl that he wore and his acid wash jeans. I mean, he was – he was, he was Mr. Cool, and 
uh, he waved at me. And finally, OU's up, like, I think it was like 34 or 17 or something in the fourth quarter. And he comes up. They have, like, these steps you can walk up to get up in the stands in the old Rustoleum Stadium that they had. And so he walks up, and he starts sitting down. He talks to me. He sits there in, like, five, ten minutes. Him and a couple of other players. I can't even remember the players' names. But he started talking to me five, ten minutes. We talk, and, you know, I'm getting to know him a little bit. Just an awe guy, seven-year-old. His idol just comes and sits down next to him to talk to him. And all of a sudden, you see these beer balls fly by our heads. And Mike Gaddis turns around, walks up the steps to those select few of Oklahoma State students, and the rest of the OSU, I think it was just one or two idiots of them. He goes up there, and I can hear him yelling, you just threw a beer bottle trying to aim at me, but you almost hit a seven-year-old kid. You do that again, I'm going to whoop your ass. And I'll never forget, he came back down. He goes, you okay, little buddy? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, it's nice to meet you, blah, 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 and goes back down. And to this day, I'll never forget it. That's something I will remember. I, I I can remember everything about that day, that game, the 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 time. He was there was like four and a half minutes left in the game when he walked up and sat next to me. The stadium was you know emptying out with all the Oklahoma State fans leaving. And he, he came up, and it was just really cool of him to do that. And, of course, people were trying to bombard him with autographs and everything. But he made sure that I had tried to talk to him the whole game because I was so obsessed with Mike Gaddis that, I, I don't know, he was just that type of guy. And, it, and I got to, I've gotten to know P.J. Mills uh, throughout this process. And I, and I talked to P.J. Mills about him, I think it was probably four or five weeks ago. And it was me, him, and... Charles Thompson, we were sitting around talking, and he said he had some. He, he told me a story about him always having chapstick in his sock, which I thought was really cool. He said, but that he goes, that just epitomized what Mike Gas was. And the only reason why that conversation got brought up is because I said, You, I told PJ, I said, You, and during the 90s, you and Mike Gas were my heroes. And that's how that whole conversation started. So for him to have passed away, I was pretty sad about it yesterday. But OU lost a great all-time running back that could have been even greater had he not injured his knee. He could have been maybe the all-time rushing leader, to be honest. So I got a much more germane Mike Gaddis story. I wasn't around for it. I was born in 87. The dude did what he did in 89. I was not here for it. I don't claim to be here for it. I have your memories. I have YouTube clips. And I have Barry Switzer talking about just how great that guy was. So mm-hmm. as as drum reference, dude had 829 yards and 110 carries through six games in the 89th right. season when his knee exploded. And this was at a time when they'd play Bedlam. And Barry Sanders rushed for 218 yards on 39 carries against Oklahoma. In a game that Oklahoma won, Mike Gaddis rushed for 213 on 18 carries. So he needed a third of the touches to do basically the same amount of work that Barry Sanders did. And he only had 32 yards going into that game. So that, on top of the dude, put Carl Albert on the map. There There was no football tradition to speak of at Carl Albert before Mike Gaddis went to Oklahoma. And when he went to Oklahoma, thus came the tradition that you all know of as mm-hmm. 5A football at Carl Albert, where they Jay just, Hans, they just uh, reel them yep. out, right? I thought that that, more than anything else, spoke to how great he was because he was the 86 Oklahoma Player of the Year, and Barry Switzer said it best, man. He was on the way to winning the Heisman his sophomore year. He was the leading rusher in the nation. I remember when, his, when he uh, blew out his knee in the Texas game, he had already run for 62 yards for one touchdown, making a cut. And hit yep. the open field, looking like he was going to score again, blew out that knee. Nobody touched him. He had a total knee construction on that. It ended his career. He was going to be a superstar. And yet, the dude came back. In 91, he had 30 out of 40 yards rushing. You know, and his knee exploded once again when he got drafted in the sixth round by the Minnesota Vikings. But he, Didn't he rush for 1,000 yards one year for the Vikings? No. He, he, never, no. he never played. Um, okay. But... Switzer yeah. said he was the best back he ever recruited out of the state of Oklahoma. And that, that tells you That's a lot. That's saying something, yeah, you know? because there's some really good backs out of the state of Oklahoma. But I think 
we're going to leave it there. Uh, rest in peace, Mike. Yeah. 50's really young. We all know that. And yeah. we send our thoughts and prayers to the Gaddis family, as we're sure you sure. do too. All right. Yeah, it's 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 tough, man. But yeah, he's a, he was an all-time great, and Sooner Nation is uh, mourning the loss of him, and we got to just, I don't know. It's tough, man, especially when you grow up idolizing somebody like that. Okay, now we're really gone. Yeah, thank you for listening. We just wanted to touch on that. Thanks.